0: Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. Do you know anyone who is determined to overthrow the establishment? Have you ever thought of forming a conspiracy, or hoped maybe that someone would tap your shoulder for one? Maybe it's not taking over a city or a state, but a play to take over an organization or an institution, a movement, or maybe even a market. Well, how do you make sure that your plan doesn't fail? Today, another Spartan story. I'm Alex Petkus and you're listening to The Cost of Glory. One day, King Agesilaus was at home in Sparta and he was making his usual sacrifices to appease and consult the gods with his seer there. And when the seer inspected the entrails of the victims, as is customary, he said that the gods were showing that a terrible plot was looming. My lord, the signs are as though we were... Camped in the very midst of our enemies, he said. And five days later, a man came forward to the Ephors, the elected authorities at Sparta, and he revealed to them a conspiracy. Now, Spartan society in those days had a strict class hierarchy. At the top, there are the Spartiates, the full Spartan citizens who have been through the rigorous Spartan military education system, the Agoge. And they fight in and really they lead the citizen armies. They're the the, the elite troops. And these are often referred to, these Spartiates are, are often referred to as the peers or the similars. In Greek, they are the homoioi. At the very bottom of the Spartan hierarchy are the helots. This is a large class of basically permanent slaves. They are local Greeks that the Spartans have dominated for centuries. And these people. Aren't allowed anywhere near weapons for good reasons. And then in between these two extremes, there are freed helots, and then there are free local populations called the perioiki, and then there are the so called inferiors, which is a group of free but impoverished sub citizen Spartans. All these people can fight in the army, but they're not full citizens. They can't vote in various assemblies, and they can't. Hold commanding offices and so forth, and so, in our story, this certain man comes to the ephors and he tells them about this frightening conspiracy, and it had to do with a man from the inferiors, this lesser Spartan class, not a full Spartan citizen, and his name was Kinadon, or Kinadon. I'll call him Kinadon, and here's what Xenophon says. This Kinnadon was a young man, sturdy of body and stout of heart, but not one of the peers. Not one of the Hamoyoi. And when the ephors asked the informant how he had said that the plan would be carried out, the informer replied that Kinnadon had taken him to the edge of the marketplace and directed him to count how many spartiates there were in the marketplace And I, he said, after counting king and ephors and senators and about 40 others, asked, Why, Kinadon, did you bid me to count these men? And he replied, Believe that these men are your enemies, and that all the others who are in the marketplace, more than 4,000 in number, are your allies. In the streets also, the informer said, Kinnadon pointed out as enemies, here one and there two who met them, and all the rest as allies. And of all who chanced to be on the country estates belonging to the Spartiates, while there would be one whom he would point out as an enemy, namely the master, yet there would be many on each estate named as allies. When the Ephors asked how many Kinnadon said there were in on the conspiracy, the informer replied that Kinnadon said, in regard to this point, that those who were in the secret, the conspirators, that is, with himself, and the other leaders were by no means many, although trustworthy. The leaders, however, put it this way, that it was they who knew the secret that all the others kept, that is, the Helots, the Freedmen, the Inferiors, and the perioiki For whenever among these classes any mention was made of the Spartiates, no one was able to conceal the fact that he would be glad to eat them raw. End quote. So there was much discontent in Sparta, social discontent at the time, and Kennedon tells this man, the informant, who went on to inform against him, he didn't know he was an informant at the time, he says, basically, we're going to start a class war. Them is the Spartiates, and us is everyone else. And they had an advantage, it was true, if you've thought about it this way. The Spartan full citizens were a relatively small minority, maybe even one in a hundred of all the able-bodied men in the region. Cinedon was one of the inferiors, a fine warrior, but not born into the right kind of wealth to be financially independent and dedicate himself to war and training full-time independently, like the full citizens. So the ephors see the danger here, and they ask the informer, when is this conspiracy going to be set up and begun? And the informer tells them, I have been advised to stay in the city. In other words, it could be any moment. And so The Ephors waste no time. They gather together a small group of trustworthy men, and they tell them what's going on. And then they summon Kinadon and they tell him that they need him for an important mission, that some helots on the borderlands were accused of some crime, and they need him to lead a party and go apprehend these men. And Kinadon had, in fact, served on many such missions before. The inferiors were occasionally entrusted with these sort of things to make them feel included. And Ephors told Kennedon, while he was there in the border town, that he also needed to apprehend a certain woman who was said to be the most beautiful in all the area. And they explained that this woman was using her charms to corrupt the Lacedaemonian youth, the Spartan youth. And so they, they tell Kennedon to report to the chief of staff and bring with him to the this mission. Whatever soldiers he needed, get them from the chief of staff, bring them on his mission, and also to pick up three carts at the storehouse so that he could take the helots who he captured back in chains and it would be easy for him. And they hoped that this would conceal the fact that this entire mission was just a ruse set to capture one single man and to capture him out of the sight of any of his co-conspirators so as not to spook them before they too could be apprehended. Kinadon fell for the scheme. Once he got safely outside the city, his soldiers, who had been informed of the situation by the chief of staff, they seized him, captured him, and they tortured him to get him to reveal all of his co-conspirators. And before they enacted the final punishment, the Ephors asked Kinadon what on earth he had been aiming at in architecting this conspiracy. And he replied, I wished to be inferior to no man in Lacedaemon. And then Cinedon and the rest of his accomplices were flogged and tied up to a wagon and dragged to death through the streets of Sparta. Now, Aristotle, in the fifth book of his work, The Politics, he cites this event, the Kinodon Conspiracy, As an example of the dangers that face any oligarchy in which there are men who are no less virtuous and capable than the ruling class, but are nonetheless arbitrarily excluded from honors. So maybe Kinodon even had some just claims, but he seems to have underestimated how difficult it is to execute a successful conspiracy. First of all, he widened his circle of trust too wide, too quickly. And this is perhaps the greatest challenge facing any group of conspirators, who to include and when to include them. And he, of course, included a man who ended up informing on him, and you have to wonder why. With his last words, in fact, Cinedon revealed another liability of his conspiracy. There was really no higher vision of a better Spartan society that he was putting forth, such as we find in the revolutionary schemes of Lysander, for instance. Kinadon was just sick of being arbitrarily put in second place. If you're going to get people to undertake an act, which, if it fails, and maybe even if it succeeds, people are going to widely condemn as treason, betrayal of your country, you'd better be sure that you have a more compelling story to tell them than something like, it's time we got ours, boys. Well, finally... Kenedon was a hot-blooded youth, and the ephors dangled some very juicy bait in front of his imagination to distract him from the ploy that they were launching to apprehend him. They told him about this alleged loose woman who needed to be taught a lesson, that she was very beautiful, but they also hinted that she was the kind of woman that nobody would really care if she got roughed up a little bit on the road back by the leader of the arrest party, and this little temptation may have been the key to his downfall. If you are supremely ambitious to achieve something difficult, you have to learn to see your desires as potential weaknesses, because your opponents will surely try to use them against you. Thanks for listening. Stay strong. Stay ancient. Until next time, this is Alex Petkus.